welcome to Stoner. Great show for you this week. Ann Friedman, co-host of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast and a writer. You may remember her co-host, Amina, was on Stoner number one. I don't think that she actually realized that she was going to appear on the very first episode of this podcast, and I thank her for not being angry when she found out. But uh, Anne is an old friend. Uh, she is uh, one of the first people, actually, who I remember being uh, out in public as a marijuana enthusiast over in Los Angeles in the heady days of uh, medical marijuana. So very excited to talk to her. Uh, you can always get in touch with me hi at stoner.co please tell a friend about this show it helps spread the word which is something i am trying to do all right here's the show hello ann friedman hello hello um and i've known you for a long time uh i'm just gonna cut to the chase how uh, how is your weed life we <laughs> i think we last talked um, about it probably like half a decade ago. So you could be like a total teetotaler now and I'd have no idea. I mean, I have remained a casual but committed weed smoker for pretty much all of my adult life. So thank you for that phrase, casual but committed. That's um, something I've tried to express very badly uh, and you nailed it um, on the first try. I mean, words well, I try to make words my thing. I, do, I do, it feels so pretentious to be like, well, words are kind of my thing. But for real, <laughs> words are what I get paid to do. It would be kind of yeah. sad if uh, if I didn't at least get it right occasionally. Yes. And if you were trying to describe your cohort in the world of weed smoking, you would be in um, the casual but committed camp. What, what does it mean to be in the casual but committed camp? Uh, I would say that I... Um, selectively and not infrequently enjoy getting stoned. And yeah. I, I would also say that I, um, it's interesting. I just wrote this thing about edibles um, for a UK publication. And um, I've always hated them in part because I remain a huge lightweight, like a tiny little nibble, like licking the edge of some kind of uh, like pot brownie will just, you know, paste me to the ceiling. Um, so I'm with you and you know, the tolerance level for like what I'm smoking versus what I'm ingesting vastly different. But, um, I bring this up because I, um, I actually consider myself in the like core market for super low dose edibles and like, you know, two to five puffs of like smoking yep. weed, right? Like, you know, the idea that like, it is not only like you don't have to be someone who is like, you know, smoking a giant blunt every two seconds uh, just because you've been smoking weed for a long time. Like all this research is like all of our core customers in the cannabis industry are, uh, you know, the type of person who wants a super high dose product. And I'm just like raising my hand over here in the casual committed camp to say not so. One of the reasons I was eager to talk to you on this show was you were one of the um, first people I met who was um, open, not about like how much weed you smoked, but being an out weed smoker, which I think can be like a radical decision in its own right. You don't have to like um, have a six foot bong to be uh, making a stand with your identity about it. So you 
have pretty openly been like, like I don't know, I didn't like Google you back in time, but you've been <laughs> openly talking about smoking weed for a pretty long time on the internet. Yeah, I would say that that's true. Was that like ner- a nervous thing for you at any point? Um, not really. I think that I, I might feel differently if I had ever had like say an issue with substance abuse where I thought maybe I was mm-hmm. like revealing something that was difficult or painful in my life. Um, I might feel differently if I worked in a different industry where I thought that there would be professional repercussions for me saying that openly. Um, I might feel differently if I lived in a state other than California. Um, but it remains the fact that I, yeah, I don't feel like I have an addiction or a negative relationship with it. I live in the great state of California and, um, my industry doesn't really punish people who smoke weed. You know, it's a thing you can do fairly openly. So I think that, um, while I didn't really go through that checklist, it makes it pretty, um, safe for lack of a better word for me to say that I use weed in various forms. So um, speaking of the industry that you're in, um, you are the co-host of Call Your Girlfriend. Uh, For uh, people who uh, have been listening to Stoner long enough, uh, we've had both hosts on the show. I know. Amina was your maiden voyage. Is that right? She was. I don't I'm going to say I'm not sure she realized that she was my maiden <laughs> voyage at the time. I, uh, I I hope she didn't feel uh, like uh, I, I uh, misrepresented uh, my intentions with the show. Um, but she was an amazing first guest. Like, I, I don't know. She's a one of kind person. Who, who am I going to put up against her? A singular, a singular person. Um, so you do that. You write all over the place. Um, you have edited magazines. Um, you're kind of like a brand of one, which is a, uh, is a new idea in the world. And, uh, I feel like something like openly using weed. Um, I'm not going to say it's like a calling card, but it does open you up to something like say writing about edibles for a UK publication. It is true. My editor, uh, emailed me in this very polite British way and was sort of like, I don't know if I'm overstepping to assume that you might have some ideas about this topic. And I sent her like eight paragraphs back within a couple of minutes. And she was like, you know, did the, the more polite British version of LOL, of course. (laughs) Yeah. That's always my, uh, issue with booking the show, which is it's a weird assumption to say, hey, like, I kind of heard this about you. Would you want to <laughs> talk about on it? And um, I have no problem with someone who wants to, you know, keep it a secret or whatever. But it's almost like unless I like find myself smoking a joint with someone at a party, there's like this slight leap uh, to to jump into talking about weed. Yeah, I mean, it's still slightly taboo slash illegal so there that's (laughs) that's what's happening um (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know has anyone ever been insulted when you've gotten it wrong though like have you ever said i've heard this about you and someone's been like no hell no but there's a few people who haven't returned my email and i just fill in the worst possible belief there instead of i didn't actually look at that email which is probably more likely Mm, because these people are like quasi celebrities but in my mind, <laughs> I have offended some quasi-celebrities uh, w- with this query. Um, Who among us has not offended a quasi-celebrity? I mean, look, you live in L.A. You're probably uh, offending quasi-celebrities every day. For me, it's a rarer occurrence. Um, because I recognize us, even within this legalization, as living in a kind of a dystopia still in America, I think mm-hmm. essentially what people are saying is, I can't in good faith fully enjoy this 
while people are still serving life sentences for it. Um, I try to imagine the weed utopia uh, that that could replace this. Um, and you're sort of living it in L.A. Like, is it totally out like people on the streets socially? Like what what does this moment in L.A. weed look to you like? Uh, yeah, I mean, completely destigmatized and like, you know, total legality in kind of like the people who I you know, among the people I might see socially. Right. So there could be I just want to acknowledge some very different lived experiences of how common it is, Absolutely. how taboo it is, whatever, among yeah. people I'm not hanging out with. But among among like my friends, for example. Yeah, like it is truly whatever <laughs> um it is commonly around at parties and not in a like sneak off with me in the corner way but like do you want an after dinner mint um yeah. kind of way and um and yeah you know i mean i um i think that it's pretty normalized would be the right word do you think that um uh, me and you went to college around the same time i think you're a bit younger than me but is there any shift away from booze that you have like noticed in LA that has cultural ripples? Cause I imagine if I had gone to college, say during weed legalization in California, I imagine it would have been an entirely different affair. Maybe. I mean, I guess I've lived here uh, seven years, so it has been, you know, various degrees of legal, pretty much, you know, whatever, since I have lived here. So I, I don't yeah. know that any shifts I would have noticed. I don't even know I mean, why I brought up college there. It was just what I associate with binge drinking is myself well, it's also, in college. College is the last time I lived in the Midwest. Um, yeah. You know, the last time I lived outside of a major city. So like that feels relevant to me. Yeah. You're um, from as Dubuque, a point of Iowa. You, you're familiar with binge drinking. You're, yeah, there's, no, there's no uh, secrets here from you. You know that the uh, the in unofficial tagline is "You're from Dubuque, party till you puke." It's like a very like you know 1980s like uh, like put it on the back of a T-shirt for your high school reunion or something like that kind of way. So yes, I am familiar with binge drinking. I spent one weekend in Iowa City uh, about four years ago, and Did you puke? Iowa City on a Saturday <laughs> night was the most publicly drunk I've seen America outside of New Orleans. And this I was mean, not a holiday weekend. There was nothing. There was not like a big game. This was just uh, every Saturday night level of like um, just like street vomit like happening in front of you. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a massive university surrounded by cornfields. Yeah. What, what else what are you going to do? Gonna do? <laughs> until until the legal weed comes to town. Sure. I mean, so I guess my answer to your question is obviously, yes, I notice a difference from my college days, which were in Missouri, not in Iowa. And, you know, my current adult life in Los Angeles, California. Um, but it, it, it was noticeable, I think, right when I moved here that people just in general tended to drink less. And um, I also moved here in the era before um, things like Lyft and Uber. And so, like, you could pretty much assume that there was at least one person at the table, usually more, who was not drinking more than a drink or two because they were driving. Um and uh, and I think that I I mean, I don't have, again, like a longitudinal study of like weed versus booze consumption in Los Angeles. But I, I will say that it already felt like not the booziest place um, to me, like just even even aside from, you know, how available and how normalized uh, marijuana is. 
Um, so there's some of that going on too. I definitely, I feel like what I notice more is my friends in New York being more open about it. Um, or I feel like, I feel, you know, in the past like year or two is the first time I've really noticed like an excessive amount. Like I've regularly noticed weed smoke on the street in New York. Like it's felt different to me and maybe I'm just coming in different seasons or something totally anecdotal, but that's where the, the change feels palpable. But like you guys, don't you still buy weed from like drug dealers? Yeah, but it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of such a good, you know, systems that are like illegal or um, hodgepodge together, but they end up being effective enough that they, that you don't really notice and they don't totally demand replacement. I feel like the New York City delivery system is so good that people in New York almost don't realize that we're living in a alternate weird one-off reality that will no longer exist in 20 years of like you call like a number some guy gave you on a business card a total stranger comes into your apartment I mean this has been like 25 30 years where New York has just kind of worked the same way yeah I mean it is um it feels quaint (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) like you don't go to a store and have a conversation with someone who you know in their space like they come to you and yeah I mean wild just wild what's your routine like like where 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 do you go in LA um well I I go to a place that I believe at least one previous guest of your show has recommended which is Cornerstone in Eagle Rock um wow I feel like um there's significant evidence of collusion uh that somehow Cornerstone is getting to the future guests of this show and getting them to mention it that's that's the third person who's recommended the same dispensary in LA to me. You do know it's the best, right? I it mean, must like... be gr- I mean it must be great. Like cuz there's a <laughs> lot of there's a, like you're not like you're not recommending your like small like local. There's a lot of places in LA you can go for this uh this kind of a retail experience. Yeah, I mean it was recommended to me by an artist friend who um was then is a little less so now like one of the stoniest stoners I know in LA which is saying something and I was just like where is the place this is how I asked him for the recommendation when I shortly after I got a card um I said where is the place that you go where you're just like you don't have any like weird buying pressure there's no like you know dumb black light aesthetic but also it's not like super fancy and like doesn't seem snobby you know like what is kind of that middle ground and he was like oh you gotta go to cornerstone (laughs) if cornerstone opened a little um espresso bar uh back area with some tables and a garden where you could um you know buy uh, a small amount of flour and take it in back and roll a joint and have a coffee with a friend. Would you, would you, wow, the hippie like, speedball, you know, that yeah. like, yeah, like the hippie yeah. speedball as like a restaurant. I had never thought of that being well, a coffee shop I mean, idea. Look, the I won't speedball lie. is like actually just a spitball to take on top of it. But I know sure. that like there are licenses in the works in LA to allow more of an on-site consumption thing. And I feel like I spend half the time whenever I'm in LA just meeting people in coffee shops for various reasons Um, or like going to a coffee shop to kill two hours or just sort of orbiting in in that kind of a way. And that's like, I think my actual fantasy, that's what I loved about Amsterdam when I was uh, 18 years old was that it was like a place and you could see people and sort of feed on that energy. I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I don't know that I would become a regular. Like for yeah. me, I, for me, it is like 
I I got a little bit stoned for this interview in the spirit of the thing, but like normally I am only stoned around like friends and loved ones and ideally myself. Like and, occasionally I'm and out on the and on a, a podcast that's being widely distributed. Only yeah, those places. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But only oh, only I, to I people who you. are who are pretty who are pretty chill with the idea, I think, of me being lightly stoned while while yeah. being here. No, you know? I, I'd, I'd say I'm I'd say I'm basically um on board with you and probably if you actually drop me in front of this like cafe i'm fantasizing i'd be like oh god these people are terrible uh this loud conversation near me let's get out of here um but i guess i've become a little disenchanted with like going out and drinking i see where you're going weed has made me a bit of a homebody you know in a way that i guess people in la don't even really feel bad about but sometimes i wonder if i'm just gonna be like a shut-in hangouting with my friends on like webcams all of us smoking <laughs> weed in our like own little pod um that's kind of where it, it feels like life is going that does not sound that bad to me <laughs> okay um let's debate this because you you host a, a um a podcast uh with your friend amina who mm-hmm. the whole kind of concept of the show as i understand it is that you're living out the relationship you'd like to live out like in the same city, but you're remote. So you're doing that together on the show with guests and all kinds of other stuff. A little bit. I mean, I think that that is much more how it started and it's become a little more formalized. That's season but yes. one. That's yes. like a, that's like a, if it was a Netflix show, I'd be like, yeah, listen to season one. It's, it's pretty different now, but like, <laughs> this is what season one is like. <laughs> yeah. I would say that that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah. And and I, I I did much more in the past and do still occasionally if we record in the evening, record with like a glass of wine or a beer or something. But yeah. I have, I think I can safely say I've maybe lightly stoned, but I don't think I've ever recorded the podcast like, like very stoned. I rarely smoke any weed when I record this podcast. People who listen to the show may be surprised to learn. I would say... 20% of the shows, is there any actual marijuana involved? Not because I'm like terrified of it, but because like often I'm taping the show at like 11 a.m., sometimes at Pineapple Media, where I ran into you the other day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's it's not feasible that there's going to be a like Cheech and Chung uh, like situation with a giant oversized joint at every taping. That's just like too too much to ask. It's true. But also, you know, okay, so this is something I'm excited to talk about today that I'm sure is not on your list of questions. But do you have those friends who maybe are not even currently weed smokers, but at some point in their history, they were like heavy stoners. And even when they are like have not come within several feet of marijuana in like days, being around them will still make you feel high because their brain just is like you know, delightful and kind of fluid and wild in that way that most of us need to get stoned to get to. Yes. So maybe you're just that you're just, you mean, look, I'm just saying maybe you've reached that level and hosting doesn't matter whether you've smoked anything today or not. I don't. And I I don't think it does. uh, Like when I think about all the time in my life, I've ever been in like a recording studio. It all in my memory, I'm high all the time. Like (laughs) there must have been times when our day started at 9 a.m. and like I we had some breakfast, you know, but it's just like my my vibe there is pretty much like that. And I do think weed can like facilitate people getting on that same kind of a vibe in a way that they can be difficult, which makes it hard to have remote friends. I, I don't have like actually a, a great 
for a relationship with my friends who don't live in the same city as me. I feel like as a result of my like inability to sync up in that way. Sure. I mean, that is also statistic statistically true, I got to say, of most men that yes. long distance relationships <laughs> are harder. Yeah. Not to not to pigeonhole you by gender, just saying. No, no, that I, like, I, yeah. I, uh, like I, I almost am waiting for like um, someone to make the like like um, big chill male friendship movie that's like not about like bromances, but it's about how like uh, it's hard to stay friends as uh, men who who are aging. I would. I would love that movie to get made. I yeah. truly more more positive male friendship narratives, please. We're gonna put a star on that for a, a future <laughs> development. So, what what has Call Your Girlfriend become? Like, what what is it now that it wasn't when you started it? Uh, well, first of all, it's part of the income, uh, yeah. the income stream for me and for uh, Amina and for our producer Gina. Um, and uh that's a so big deal it know? is that's, yeah. that's a bigger difference than like changing the theme song oh yeah the theme song has not changed um although now we pay heavily to license it in our early oh, wow. days it was better to ask um forgiveness than permission so uh you know i think that that changed a couple of things it means that because we uh, sell ads, which is how we we make the portion of our income that comes from the show. We've got to be a little bit more consistent. Um, also, uh, we just tend to record. Actually, like you know, thinking about um, our recording time really also has changed. Like it used to be much more of a thing we did in our off hours when we were making no money because we had to do paying jobs during the workday. And as it's become kind of one component of a freelance pie for all of us we do it more like during regular business hours and are therefore a little bit more you know i won't say it's business-like but on task so now that you are making a living on it when i think well about correction the not making yeah. a living making a portion of my making, living which i making think is a an important yeah. yes mm-hmm. um it has upside to you mm-hmm. uh it would be a bummer if it went away that's how i generally describe a lot of my ventures i'm like people are like are you making money on that i'm like I would not like to stop making any money on that, but no, I'm not making that much money on that. Uh, <laughs> but right. um, even when, you know, the the reward isn't like your entire livelihood, you know, when you're talking about topics, when you are expressing yourself on the show, does, does it ever come in like, you know, this is good for audience, this is good, you know, people are going to react poorly to this. It's something I've considered with this show, um, you know, when I've had guests that people were disappointed that I booked where I'm like, huh, I wonder if that would bother me more if I made any money on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we do talk about who's listening and what yeah. they might be interested in. Um, I think that it is certainly driven by uh, the three of our interests and things that we feel are really important. I mean, one of the great things about owning at least like a third of, but like, you know, being part of a collective that owns, uh, you know, a, a pretty powerful media platform is that like, you know, the, the, the pleasure and benefit of getting to choose what is important right now. Like if I think something is worth a whole episode, yeah, I kind of have to convince Gina and Amina to that we should do that sometimes, but you know, mostly it's just like, yeah, cool, get it done. And I think that, um, you know, we've also had a lot of good episodes come out of 
just private conversations with the three of us. Like, why isn't someone doing X is a question that's really fun to be able to answer. Um, And of course, like we can't do everything. It's not like we've got the, um, the budget and capacity to like, you know, do really highly produced stuff or like do like, you know, fly somewhere and do reporting in the field or like, you know, some of some of the the many things that I admire about other podcasts and other people's journalism. Does what you care about end up matching the sort of like vigorous uh, Twitter discussions in the more feminist corner of the Internet? Or are you kind of like, I'm going to try and stay on my own trajectory here not like see too much what other people are talking about. Not that like feminism is the only thing you talk about, but whatever the topic, like there's certainly a feeling I've had, you know, following too much of media Twitter where I am unclear about like, what is the thing that people are talking about? And I have to sort of remove myself to get any sense of what I'm actually interested in. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're not on the new, I mean, look, like this is not a daily podcast, right? So maybe things would be different if we were super news responsive, but you know, I mean, it's more likely that we will do an episode that, um, mentions something that was like, that blew up on social media in a contentious or weird way. In addition to three other things that have happened in the last month that are thematically related. And that is like far and away the way I prefer to deal with like a lot of the stuff that just consumes so much time on Twitter, right. To sort of say like, okay, this isn't unimportant. There's a reason people are interested in this and fighting about it. Um, But like for our audience, which like, I mean, I, I don't have, numbers on this but I don't picture all of them refreshing Twitter every day they're not all journalists right (laughs) um but anyway but the point is I don't see that as central yeah yeah maybe that's like a two years ago question really I just imagine that the party's always going now that I'm not there and I'm like and how are you possibly like able to shout and make yourself heard over this party? Like, I just imagine that everyone else is at the party, even if I'm not at the party. Right. In fact, you are just like smoking out the front porch and I'm yes. smoking out the back porch. Yes. And, and what's happening inside is kind of irrelevant. Like maybe and, it's a and party. Are we, maybe it's not. Our, our weed clouds are like meeting and like flowing down the street and then someone smells it and has this like weird sense memory moment. I have wow. smelled so much weed on the street in New York this summer. It's wild. That's what I was, I'm saying I was there for a few weeks this summer and it was noticeable in a way that it has not been for me in the past. And normally I avoid New York in the summer. So maybe that's, that's what I was saying. Maybe it's circumstantial. Nah, it's new. But, I've yeah. been here every summer. We're on like absolute peak weed in the air. And I know I don't want to be like a person like posting a like weird, like phony Facebook statistic, but I actually do anecdotally kind of like take that stuff seriously like it makes me think like widespread weed use is come to new york city that it it does smell like weed here all the time i mean i whenever i caught a whiff i was like oh it's like home i wish i were in california yeah (laughs) (laughs) um like what at what period of your life did you become a casual but committed person and just like you know get on the steady state you're you're on now I think that if I had had continuous access, I didn't really smoke a ton in college because like I said, it was Missouri and I was like busy trying to whatever, keep a job and go to school and do whatever other things I was doing to like really go out of my way to seek it out. Like, as you pointed out with, uh, you know, in a university environment, booze is plentiful. Um, so I don't know. I mean, anytime. And then I think that there have been some periods where I'm, uh, 
new to a city where I'm just like, you know, in a, in a pre legalization context. And I'm just like, ugh, it's going to take forever to like meet the person who has the contact. You know what I mean? Like there definitely have been quite a few phases of my life where I really wasn't smoking at all. Um, but this like is something I, Amina talked about also, like how you find weed friends in a new city. If you don't totally, know how do you find your first weed friend? If you have one free weed friend, you could use them to find a third one. The first oh, for one sure. is going to be, I mean, you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there like that UK editor put their self out there with you. It's true. And it's a lot easier when you are not like in a professional context. You know what I mean? It's like yes. if you're just hanging out with someone, it's not that hard to be like, do you smoke weed? Also, like, I don't know. Don't you think there are certain like sense of humor tells and things like that that make it pretty easy to guess? I just assume that everyone smokes weed, but then I'm often surprised uh, someone I'm friendly with, I learned recently, had never smoked weed. Yeah. So I don't want to make any of these assumptions. You know? I have several good friends who were not at all smokers like when we became friends and then, you know, now are, you know, in, in the consistent casual camp, you know, <laughs> you you brought up like the idea of like people from your past who used to smoke a lot of weed and are just kind of like permanently on that wavelength. I have those people and then I and a lot of those people don't smoke weed now and I have new people who have gotten very into weed and had maybe not smoked any weed five or six years ago. But let me tell um, those are you, the people who are the most into it, actually, that I know the I, I feel like the so the the first archetype, the like yeah. used to smoke a ton of weed, but doesn't smoke anymore. Yeah. That person is it feels it feels like way more stony being around them than it does being around someone who is even if they're super into it, but new to it. There is something yes. about like old weed brain that like, I'm just like, yes, let me board your flight of fancy. Like I want to go. I believe like, that's like the neural pathways being set as a teenager is what you're being describing. But I agree. Oh, it's not all a bad thing. Yes. It's anyway, I'm just saying like, I definitely um, it's, it's funny because I think a lot of people who come to it late, at least in my life are people who are real. Um, what's the right word? Like worried about the rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, and then got to a stage in life or it got to a stage of legalization where they were like, Oh, it's fine now. Um, and there, I'm just like, you know, I love those people too, but like different, different brains, different approaches to life, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember having friends in high school where it was pretty common to just roll a joint in a car just start smoking it. And I was thinking back and I'm like, God, what were these people? What was, what was going to happen if this car got pulled over? It's kind of like, eh, you know? And then I have people now who are smoking weed who are like, you know, email me like deeply concerned about like pesticides and wanting to get the like cleanest weed. And I'm like, wow, people were like out there smoking weed when we were in high school. Right. Like, and what, like had no idea what they were actually smoking. Right. Like, yeah, that's the, that's the thing though. I mean, I know your frequent guest, Amanda Chicago Lewis is like my, you know how some people, they're like, we have a doctor in the family. We text them to be like, should we go to the hospital <laughs> oh, for she's this? your doctor? She's, she's the person I text to be like, how do I vote on this weed measure? Or like, have you been to this dispensary or what's the deal with this brand of XYZ? Or is it a lie when this weed company tells me that they can certify it's all organic or whatever? I ask her, our whole text thread, bless her heart, is her answering my dumb weed questions and then that's, me being... That's my whole text thread with her. How, how does she have any time? There may be hundreds of people who are just her sole, their sole outlet is her. I mean, I do go out of my way to like buy her a drink or a meal regularly because I feel like I use her like 
I use a professional, a thing that she relies on professionally, which is her knowledge of like this entire cannabis industry. Yeah. <laughs> and I like use it for personal gain. Right. I'm like, at least I owe you a meal. She was actually kind of the person who kind of convinced me about the pesticide thing where whenever I would try and get her to boil it down, I was like, what's one thing that's important for someone who's kind of casual and just it wants to get into it and it's legal. And she's like, the important thing to know is that there's fucking poison on almost all of the weed. That's the only thing you should care about. And I think she makes a kind of convincing case that like, that's a big deal. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but what um, I can't do anything. I'm stuck here in New York. I, don't know I mean, this, this is what is. I mean. I mean, this is why the whole drug dealer era feels so quaint. I'm like, you don't know where that's from. That no. that's like a homemade printer label and shit. Like, I know uh, you're 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 describing a step up from oh, uh, what man. I'm receiving. A printer label would be welcomed. I like I get the I get the selection of the strains, but there's no labeling on the bags. So the minute <laughs> I shuffle the, the minute they go in anything, it's all lost. All of the oh information God, is up. lost. It's terrible. <laughs> So I just have like this mystery grab bag that I can like psychologically try to pair up with things that were described to me beforehand. I could oh label it, but I feel weird like labeling my own weed. That feels like there's not a lot of dignity in that. Are you kidding me? I don't know. I listen. I, I don't know how to help you here. This is a New York problem. Well, well, part of the problem is I have a label maker, but it's out of the tick, the tape and it's been <laughs> out of the tape for a while. And so all the things I've been looking forward to labeling are still unlabeled, including the wiring of this recording setup. It's a rough life. And. At the end of the show, I like to ask all of the guests the same question. We've touched on some of this stuff, but I, I want to hear, I want to hear your like your top take. You game? Sure. Okay. First question: What is your ultimate, you know, free evening, full ritual, best possible weed scenario? Like joint? Are we talking vape? Edible? Well, you never really told me also like what you said about edibles in the story. Uh, so what did I say about edibles? I um, I interviewed our pal Amanda Chicago Lewis um, further in her debt. Uh, and she explained to me because um, I was basically like, look, I'm noticing a lot more low dose options. It used to be you could get this chocolate bar that was like for people with really serious illnesses and would just completely knock you out. And now I'm like, there's there are some edibles that I can actually ingest and like continue to be a functional human. And she was like, yeah, you know, as um, marijuana, you know, increases in its legality, the testing gets better. And um, it becomes more of a precision thing where you can have a low dose because like no wonder you were pasted to the ceiling. The dosages were like not at all regulated and really difficult to measure before. So basically, thank you, science. Uh, thank you, like legalization. And that's how we get like my fave low dose edibles. Um, and it was just about that. And like the pleasures of being kind of lightly stoned. That is what the essay is about. We, we talked earlier about like language and precision. Can I mm-hmm. suggest that Maybe the term low dose, like, is oh, like yeah, weird branding. Like, shouldn't we call that a dose and say that if you're like, you know, a person who like smokes an entire eighth to the face, you're taking like a like quadruple quintuple. You're right. Dose. Like, it's this weird idea that like one is like wildly fucked up and a micro dose is like what I consider like a dose should be like kind of the like 
the edge of feeling it, right? That's what I would think one dose would be. Yeah, I mean, you are absolutely right. And also, though, the norm has been set by, like, just the way, I don't know, like, all of the factors related to um, lack of testing and, you know, the way it was, yeah, lack of professionalization in the industry, sure. you know, whatever. You're you're absolutely right. Like, in, in the weed utopia, um, what I'm talking about will be a dose. Um, like, the weed equivalent of, like, a low ABV cocktail. <laughs> If I were to describe the biggest confusion in like legalized marijuana right now and illegal marijuana, it's no one really understands what one dose is. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult to translate the idea of one dose from, say, smoking a joint to vaping to an edible. Like one dose means something totally different in each of those contexts. And I don't even know that you really can make comparisons. I The experiences I've had with edibles are totally like unlike the experiences I've had smoking weed. Yeah. I mean, completely. And I think that, you know, for me, it's like, other than saying, start with the lowest possible thing you can get and work your way up, start with like the tiniest hit and work your way up. Like that's the only advice in my mind. That is the only advice. Um, and also a good reason to like smoke at home or only with close pals. Right. The idea of being like a first time, um, cannabis consumer in a in like a public cafe like you were describing earlier i'm just like would never would never advise that someone uh like a friend of mine do that so it sounds to me like edibles are like you you know it's kind of interesting to do the microdosing but it's not like your thing like you wouldn't be like i love edibles Uh, i mean it is when i'm traveling because they're very the mints are really easy to travel with and um there's a sublingual spray i kind of like yeah uh but um but if you're at home for an evening you know, if you're in your element, what's what's your vibe? Oh, uh, yeah. Like a few puffs of a joint, um, yep. a little uh, like I have a Pax, you know, grandfather of Jewel. Uh, <laughs> isn't that cre- and, isn't that cre- isn't I didn't that know that I, I didn't know until I was prepping for the first episode of the season. I, I reread um, Gia Tolentino's piece about Jewel. And I was like, it said like it was made by Pax Labs. I was like, ha, huh, that's funny. There's a weed thing called Pax. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it was like the end of the movie where like you see the whole conspiracy before your yeah. eyes. And I was like, oh, my God, because that's 73 percent of the vaping market. Oh, completely. Yeah. They're like um, billion. That's like the most like money you could possibly make is to own vaping right now. I mean, hey, and also I'm just like truly at the end of the day, it's like it does really well with flowers and I don't really mess around with anything in a cartridge, any kind of oil, whatever. And so that is that is why it has my allegiance is like, you know, either it's um, like a 2.5 milligram mint, um, a little bit of sublingual spray or like, you know, something with flowers. Do you uh, like if you go flower, do you have a strong preference on the sativa indica spectrum? Uh, it depends on what I'm up to and what's going on. I would say I lean sativa unless yeah. I'm like, wow, I am just like, you know, really needing to like relax right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were a teen today in your hometown, do you think you would jewel? I don't know. I mean, I've never been a joiner and jewels are very popular. I can imagine like, you know, it being something the really popular kids in my high school liked and therefore just on a contrarian level, I wouldn't have liked it. Yeah. Um, but I truly don't know. I truly don't know. I can see myself like making fun of people, but then like taking a few hits of them and just getting wildly addicted in like one week. <laughs> 
Right. Also, I have never smoked cigarettes and never even like I think I've smoked three cigarettes in my entire life only in solidarity. Um, And so it's like not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, there's, I have no interest in like e- that as a product line. Like, if I'm not getting stoned, I'm not smoking. All right. This question is not related to weed necessarily. But uh, what what is uh, one place in the world that is uh, special to you? A place that you return to or um, that was uh, important in who you became? Oh, my God. This is supposed to be like a meditation trick, right? Like, like, is it? <laughs> if it is, I, I don't it's know. I accidentally backed my way into. I'm not saying it's not. No, I think it is. I think it's like a thing that like they tell people like. I thought you were talking about that thing when um, like when someone's like a prisoner of like ISIS and they're like, draw your dream house in your mind. <laughs> like so you can survive this prison of the body. <laughs> maybe that I was talking more like if you feel some anxiety on a flight when it hits turbulence but okay like that's like a far more (laughs) um uh I don't know I mean like this is gonna sound so awful but like I'm sitting in my living room right now and it's like the magic hour and it's golden and I'm with all my plants and I'm on a very comfy couch and I'm like not wearing a bra and I'm just like this this is my happy place like I really like you know don't have like a you know it's not like my family had some beautiful lake house we went to every summer and I don't have like a I don't know I yeah you're a, like, you're in you're in LA um you never said a bad thing about LA to me I I can think of some things that I are you not prob- my top maybe fave, you have but, but I think you um uh I admire the way you unabashedly embrace um like not like some uh future or past but like the life you have now in Los Angeles. I really like it. And I, it sounds like it sounds so, I mean, I would be eye rolling so hard listening to this, but the truth is I'm like, yeah, my house, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here. I'm, it's it. <laughs> okay. Can you recommend a stoned viewing experience, movie or television? Something you've seen recently or something never forget? Well, honestly, my favorite stoned viewing experience is the if you high instagram account <laughs> oh my god wow i'm glad you brought this up on the show has anyone heard... mentioned this no i don't think show? i have but i would say uh it may be the most important like instagram account i would say the shade room and if you high uh have my nomination is the like mass masters of form well i i i enjoy the shade room as well but in terms of like pure pleasure to like number of seconds consuming it like there is nothing like if you high I mean every once in a while there'll be a post that's like somewhere kind of it's like kind of on the gross out spectrum or there's like a reptile or something yeah sometimes those ones where it's like a weird like 3d monster that's like morphing itself and like eating its foot that can that's like so rare though but yes, exactly. Like, you know, 80 out of like, you know, 90 posts on, on If You High are like a joy and a delight. And truly, like, uh, I mean, look, like I, I'm sure I enjoy a lot of like stereotypical like stoner movies, TV as well. But like that is for me when I'm like, I like it. Yeah. I like this call. The joy. The joy of If You High. You've like you've made Internet in, in your life uh, professionally. And I feel like sometimes it's difficult to explain to someone like this would make a good post, a good this or that. And this would not. And at a certain level, you just have to have like some instinct for it. Whoever is running. If you high is just like hitting the highest percentage 
of things that would like hit my mind at a very specific like scale and tone. Well, you know, it's highly editorial. Oh, yes. Like there are different categories, you know, there's like sections, right? There's like the building and process based section. There's the like goose and like weird shapes moving yep. section. There's like funny animals doing funny things section. There's like trippy, like, you know, things in nature, like crashing waves or whatever section. It's like, it is very much an editorial product. And I think that that is like, that's why, uh, I just, yes, I just like, I am in such appreciation. And if I were, maybe if I were still an editor, I would assign some like article. If I were an editor of a weed magazine, I would 100% assign some kind of interview with the person. I'm not sure I even want to know who is behind it. It's a little bit like, remember like when hipster runoff was like still anonymous. I just like, it would almost ruin, ruin it for me if I like had a face behind the person selecting it. But here's the question. Do you think you would really think about the face of the person selecting all these videos like while you're high and probably looking not. at them? I'd Truly? probably forget about it yeah. immediately. Like the story, that story would be for sober me <laughs> and then high me is actually just enjoying it. I the like account. the feeling of when I realize I haven't looked at it for like two or three months and I'm like, Ooh, oh, my there's God. a feast awaiting me hard same like that feeling there should be like a german yes. word for that yeah. like, feeling of like the, there's a buildup of content in an area where i'm just like yes and i'm high it's and actually related it. to the a feeling feast. i have in my other the other show i do long form when i get uh which uh which you have been on uh when i have like three or four tapes that i haven't released where i'm like uh i have like I have loaded up the halls with like supplies for the winter. I won't have to do anything for many months. And then I like blink. I'm like, oh, they're all gone. I have like two days to tape one. And it just like, there's such a hard cut. I never remember any time between those two moments of me, like having plenty and having none. It's true. It's that, that is exactly the experience of consuming if you high. And you are reminding me that, in fact, I have not looked at it in several You know when weeks. someone sneezes um, and then you have to sneeze? When you mentioned if you high, mm-hmm. I was like, definitely going to like look at that as soon as this call is over. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next question. Uh, can you recommend a snack? Oh, always. Um, look, one of the top stoner accessories in my arsenal is a popcorn air Ooh. popper. Um, and they're like 25 bucks, 30 bucks. And you just buy those kernels and then like, listen, it's like a toppings galore situation. The Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning, delicious popcorn wow. topping. Is that that's I love like an like everything a, bagel on your popcorn? Basically. It's like, if you love popcorn and everything Whoa. bagels, top foods for me, wow. both of them, this is like bringing them together. Um, I have like a, you know, different kind of like. Uh, for a cocky like nori nori like shake for it i got like some nutritional yeast just a buffet of savory toppings for my popcorn is like my number one forever go-to stoner snack the trader joe's like you know trends may come and go but but that is my mainstay you know how um msg is really central to like certain kinds of food and people are just like like most Midwest. Yeah. There's just like certain kinds of food. It's like, I don't know. It's delicious, (laughs) but we can only make it with MSG. You know, I sort Mm -hmm. of feel that way uh, about food. I like with the, like that, like every, everything bagel uh, topping. It's like some kind of like magic formula that was hit upon that can't be topped. Like it doesn't really make sense. It's like kind of like burnt garlic. Like what else is in the everything bagel topping? Poppy Poppy seeds, seeds, dried onion, Mm. sesame seeds. Usually. I mean, yeah, it's truly, and yeah, some like garlic powder or like dried garlic flake. It is the best. I, I really, 
that was a tip from one of the like someone who reads my newsletter Whoa. was like you got to try this stuff and i was like thank you the internet is giving back wow, at that's all a, times that's a that's a great <laughs> that's a great email to get let Changed me ask a question have Changed you ever tried life. brewer's yeast on popcorn no only nutritional that uh that's something that i can send to your mailbox right now <laughs> give it a try you might like it uh, especially maybe with a, like a so like a little bit of like an herby flavor, some sort of like an herby okay. brewer's yeast. Okay, great. Um, I've been asking everyone this. I've been getting really different reactions, and I actually have no idea what your reaction will be. When, if at all, do you think uh, weed will experience national legalization in America? Oh God, I hate this game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the, people are getting. You know what? The, the worst part is, I replaced a different question from last season's <laughs> um, peak experiences that people didn't like. People did not like being asked about like a a desert isle, like a album, desert island album. So I cut it. Now I'm asking this question. People are also mad about it. I think it's just people are mad at this point in, in the the list of questions. Yeah, like they've just run out of steam. Yeah, and there's something just like about that that question that people are just like, oh, how dare you ask me to predict the future? What I think about is like a bad Atlantic cover story or something like that of like yes. the future of whatever. That's just like, I don't know. You talked to like three economists and then like wrote this like dumb. Anyway, that's kind of how I feel. I feel like it's also it's a like, little of a Trump era thing where people are like, please don't ask me to predict the future. Like, yeah, like, uh, um, this hasn't gone well. Well, maybe you should just ask me the Desert Island. Okay, album yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say new rule, new rule. Anyone who <laughs> blanches at the legalization question immediately, I fire the. You're stuck on a desert island, weed growing on this island. You have uh, the music player of your youth, which I believe for you is a disc man, and uh, one disc uh, to play for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to be your favorite album. It's just an album that would be like if that was the only music you had. That's what you'd want with you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, see, now you kind of want the, the legalization question back. You're right. You're right. It really is like I'm instantly wishing you had asked me the legalization question. Maybe mm-hmm. there's some kind of principle at work where no matter what it is. Yeah. Uh, I should. Now I need a answer. third question that's behind the, the other two that's even more devious. Maybe you should make people ask you a question. Ooh. Okay. I will accept a, que- I will accept a question as, as a fallback if you refuse to answer either of those questions. As payment, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. As like getting my like a get out of it's sort of like you're like I challenge your questions with a question of my own. Yes. Okay. It's um, a gambit. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. Um, what is your process for saving or setting aside things on the internet or like things in general that you were like I am gonna love this while I'm stoned? Like a personal if you high, if you will. Like, do you have any way of of saving that stuff? I'm going to say that my whole process of saving things that I liked from the internet has been a grand failure, uh, nearly 20 years in the making that involves all sorts of systems of links and bookmarks and like me downloading, like ripping movies from YouTube and saving them in folders. And it's all been a waste because (laughs) there's no system at all. I never, when I want something like I never have it on tap, but I will tell you about my current extremely dumb experiment in uh, scratching this itch, which is um, people who listen to the show may know that I'm an enthusiast of BitTorrent, uh, not simply because uh, I like piracy, but just because I there's like, it gives you access to just all kinds of weird shit. 
And so I have this second Mac Mini here in the uh, the uh, weed cave in which I record this show, and it's uh, plugged into a oversized, kind of like dated oversized monitor. And so I like the idea of having movies on silent playing on that screen. This is something I picked up from some people I know who do it in recording studios as a way to like take the pressure off of people. It's just like, there's some visually interesting movie that's just sort of happening over your shoulder all the huh. time. I've never heard that. The way I want this to work is it's never going to work out if I have to pick the movie or I have to do anything. It just needs to play as some kind of giant eternal loop in the background. So I've been hoarding movie files and then I want to write some sort of a script that will randomly open them and play them. And I want it to just be running all the time. And if I turn that monitor on, it's just like, oh, and we're in the middle of this Criterion movie that I've never seen, and I'm just watching it on silent. That is the loop that I desire. That sounds great. And also, like, aren't there bars that do that? Like, there, there are. are some movies that only look good but aren't fun to watch, like The Man Who Fell to Earth. That, like, that's a great-looking movie that no one should ever watch. You're describing exactly the kind of thing. <laughs> I'll tell you the most seminal experience I've had doing this was watching um, Watership Down, the animated Watership <laughs> Down movie, like six times wow. in a row on silent. And I'm not familiar with what the plot of Watership Down is. N- never read it. Don't really know what it's about. And just slowly trying to get any sense of meaning out of what was happening to these poor rabbits. Mm. Yeah, that sounds that actually sounds kind of sad. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> it, it puts you in, you know, it puts you in a, in a, in a mood in a vibe. Uh, I also yeah. think that my constantly trying to do things like this and spend a lot of time on it uh, would generally suggest some sort of uh, mental illness of some kind that uh, I want to hoard. <laughs> thing. These plans never work out. That loop will never exist. This is the only thing that will happen is I will spend time uh, loading up a folder and then that folder will end up on some external hard drive that's like in a shoebox in my closet. Wow, I fully expected you to say something like, eh, I have a really old Tumblr or like something. I did not expect. <laughs> I did not expect. No, that would maybe be way maybe more the, rational. Maybe you're too ambitious about your this level of entertainment is all I'm saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the fact that I have a second screen that has never been used for anything to date I would suggest this is not the, the rational way to handle this. Yeah, that's excessive. Um, <laughs> final question. Uh, what is one thing you are looking forward to uh, looking out at the span for the rest of your life. Oh my God. Um, I'm mostly excited about whatever, I mean, not mostly. One thing I'm excited about is whatever career iteration that hasn't even occurred to me yet. Maybe it's like a thing that doesn't exist yet. Maybe it's a thing that exists, but like no one has ever like used in any kind of professional capacity. It's just like, you know, whatever. Maybe like it's, if you high is the future of journalism kind of thing. Um, I don't know, yeah. but I, I do know that like, I, I love being surprised by like, huh, this thing that like, you know, I could maybe see a flicker of in my life eight years ago and didn't think it, much of it is now a core part of like how I express myself and make meaning of the world and engage with people. Um, I'm very excited about that. Like, what will it be? Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know? Yeah. You're like a, you kind of like are able to like uh, enjoy each of these little eras one at a time as, as they happen. Whereas I'm just grumpy about them all. I mean, the genie is not going back in the bottle, right? You might as well like make a wish. Yeah, you're at the party. You might as well like explore. 
Exactly. You might as well like accept the joint that is passed to you in the spirit of the show um, <laughs> rather than be like, oh, my God, what's going on? I did. Did I even want to come to this party? Am I the kind of person who smokes weed? Like just just accept it. <laughs> you heard it here from Ann Friedman. If a stranger <laughs> offers you drugs, do them. <laughs> um, oh, my legacy. Where can people who um, would like to hear your podcast and find your writing find it? Um, all things are linked through com. It's pretty easy. And uh, Call Your Girlfriend, which I highly recommend. If you want to be a completist, go back to the rare first season. Uh, um, it's in podcast apps everywhere, and uh, it's a great show. So thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure, Aaron. Stoner was edited by Justine Dom, who also helped produce this episode. I'm your host, Aaron Lammer. Send me an email, hi at stoner.co. Please rate the show, tell friends, uh, spread the word. See you next week. <laughs>